0: Well, Good evening, church. How's everybody doing? Good. Everybody had a good week? Good. It's good to see y'all, man. I'm fired up. Sunday don't get here quick enough for me. I'm, uh, I'm ready to share God's word, and um, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, welcome to week four of Heart and Soul. Uh, we're about to finish up our series, and, and like we say, our Heart and Soul material is really what we call our, our, our membership class. Except We're not real crazy about that word, membership, Um, we, we're not really interested in like a big long list of people that, that come and sit. Uh, we're really interested in people, uh, having their hearts and lives transformed by the beauty of the gospel and getting arm in arm, uh, side by side, walking this thing out to pursue Jesus and carry the mission of God forward. Hence, uh, heart and soul, which is what we do and what we're doing here, um, And so tonight we're going to answer this question. And just for a a show, how many folks have their booklets? We got a handful? Yeah, we got some here. So you can go ahead and turn to uh, the fourth week. And the question we're going to answer tonight is, why do I need to be involved in the local church? Like why? And so I want to ask you a question right now. And I want you to think on it. Really think on it a second. Are you satisfied with your church experience? I want you to think on that for a second. and and I wanna share a little bit about my week and just uh, kind of what God showed me this week, um, is have you ever gotten into kind of a rut, like maybe you're walking through your job or maybe you're just kind of doing life and you kind of forget what really stirs you up, why you even started doing it in the first place? Maybe even it's a hobby, something like that. Maybe you get into it and you really, really, um, you spend a lot of time thinking about it and you're doing it. And sometimes it's so easy to drift away from what really stirs up your heart and why you even started doing it? And see, for me, this week, uh, it really reminded me why I'm so passionate about doing this. Like why this church exists, why we're here doing what we're doing. And those, there's two reasons that, that really just stirs me up, that gets me really jacked up about uh, the, just doing this, of, of trying to carry the mission forward. And it's two things. One, it's the local church. All right? It is the hope of the world, and I've experienced it in my own life. And the second thing that really stirs me up is this, and that's the mission of God. Is anybody here mission-minded people, like you're goal-oriented people? Like, if that's the goal, I'll run through anything to get there. Like, I've been a mission-minded per, per, uh, person my whole life. I've just been focused on the wrong mission. Does that make sense? I've been focused on the wrong mission, and like, I love that, that mindset and that mentality God gave me, and then He found the lane or I found the lane that he had set out for me. And I love the idea of mission. All right. And we're going to talk about that tonight, but I want you to meditate on this question for the rest of the night. I want you to think about this. Am I satisfied? Like when you're alone with God and you read the Bible and you think about your church experience, are you satisfied with your church experience. And I want to talk about that and just share kind of some thoughts and some observations. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be quick. We've got a lot to cover in a little bit of time, um, but I'm going to go through it as quick as I can. But I want you to think about this and think about that is I got to a place in my life where one of two things, either there was more to experience in the church or the Bible wasn't true. Hear that one more time. There had to be more in my eyes and my heart, there had to be more to this or else the Bible I read's not true, okay? Like, there's got to be more. Like, I can remember going to church, and this thing start happening, and I didn't really want to go, and I kind of got drug in there. And then, you know, Farmer John's got drool on him about three quarters of the way through, right? You know what I mean? And then Bobby's up there, you know, doing his his nods. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And like, it's just this, this thing that's going on, and I'm not blaming the church at all. It had more to do with me than the church, but there was just kind of these, these things going on. It was like this monotony, you know? Like you show up and you do it and then you leave and then you do it and then you leave and then there's something comes up and you don't do it because there's something else came up. But I felt kind of bad, like I need to go and I go back, right? And I asked myself, I'm like, is this, is this what it is? Like, is this what is this what the church is? And so I want to tell you a story real quick. You might be familiar with it, but... I wanna share the biblical church, really, real quick what happened. See, in Acts chapter one, I'm gonna give you a different story than than just monotony is. In Acts chapter one, this group of disciples who uh, waged everything they had, they leveraged everything in their life to follow Jesus. And the person they leveraged everything for died resurrected, and the last thing he told them was this, guys, I want you to wait in this upper room. I want you to wait during this time called Pentecost, and I'm gonna gonna leave you the promised Holy Spirit. And when it hits you, it's gonna hit you with power. And you're gonna see things you never thought you'd see in this life. And so there's this picture of these guys, these 12 guys just sitting up in this upper room, and they're waiting and they're waiting, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes down, God answers on his promise, and all of a sudden, these jokers start talking in all kinds of different languages, right? The Bible says that it's like fire came from their tongues in the way they spoke, speaking in languages that everyone around heard them. And it's so funny, like it was such a wild scene. The Jewish people said, these guys are hammered, right? Literally, that's what the Bible says, says these men have been drinking too much wine. And then Peter stands up with power and he says this. He says, no, no. This is what's happening. See, Jesus was who he says he was. He was the Messiah. You guys crucified him. He is the risen Lord. And he gets up and he delivers a sermon. And imagine this, 3,000 people trust Christ with their lives. One sermon, right? And then all of a sudden we see this story of these people, these 3,000 people that love, serve, and care for one another. Like they sell their possessions. Anybody got a nice big screen TV? Anybody in here? I'm a big football fan. Like I I think about possessions I own that I really love. Like they're selling those big screens to take care of people in the community. And they're loving one another and they gather frequently and they gather in homes and they love each other and they talk about the word of God and they serve the community. And people in the community look in and say, whatever they're doing, I wanna be a part of it. All right? And so what happened is their influence began to grow and and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And all of a sudden the religious people in the community are like, what are they doing? They were jealous that the, the, the church was growing and it was stealing some of their influence that no longer were they getting to tell people what to do but the people were following Jesus. And then we see this period where they begin to be persecuted. Like God, um, they're following Jesus and this crazy persecution happens. Like the, the religious people start coming and trying to stop the church, okay? And then something crazy happens. Stephen, one of the disciples, one of the people following Jesus, gets up, all right? And he stands in front of these people and he preaches to them in faith, knowing his life's on the line, preaches to these people in faith. And it says that the religious people were so, they were so angry. It says literally they gnashed their teeth at him, right? I don't even know what that looks like. I can't even do it. I would do it, but y'all laugh at me, right? Like they're gnashing his teeth, all right? And all of a sudden they start stoning them. Okay, imagine that. Like he's about to lose his life in the worst way possible. And the Bible says this. It says for the sake of the church, he's taking these stones and he's looking up at God and he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Listen to his last words. Y'all think about this for a second. Stephen says this, says, God, they don't know what they're doing. Lord, forgive them. If they knew, if they could see what I'm seeing right now, they wouldn't do it. God, forgive them. And could you imagine them? I just think about like this brave heart moment, like for the sake of the church, he's taking rocks and he's about to die. And he's got just this great power of, man, I'm about to come see you. Jesus, like, I'm about to come see you. And they thought they were gonna crush the movement of the church. But guess what happened? After Stephen dies, the disciples spread throughout the Roman Empire. And all of a sudden, this movement that started in Jerusalem with about 3,000 people spreads to the end of the earth. And people go in the homes and they have great power. They heal people. They preach the gospel. Lives are saved. A guy guy comes out of a tomb that has an evil spirit. The evil spirit leaves them. And all these crazy things happen. All of a sudden, this movement spreads. And did you know today that 2.3 billion people Claim the name of Jesus, right? Does that sound like your church experience? Think about that for a second. Does that sound like your church experience? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16, 18, verse 18, real quick. I want you to read this real quick. And I know it's a lot and a little bit of time, but I, I, I feel like God's put a lot on my heart to say tonight. This is Jesus' commissioning to Peter. This is Jesus talking about his church. It says, and I tell you that you, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And I love this. Remember, I'm mission-minded. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Many verses say the gates of hell won't stop it. Would you pray with me? God, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you that you loved us enough to save us. God, I'm thankful for the church, Lord. I'm thankful that I'm not lost in this world and don't know what to do. God, I'm thankful that you showed me where to go, what to do. God, I'm thankful for the local church. It's the hope of the world. God, I'm thankful for the mission of God. Lord, you've given us divine purpose. God, you haven't left us alone. And Lord, I just pray right now that The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be obedient to you. Lord, I'm gonna be honest. I know know what you've told me to say. And Lord, sometimes I just get scared to say it. But God, your gospel is power. God, there's truth in your word. And Lord, I just pray that we would just just have a time here where your presence would come and be among us. God, that we would preach about the church. And Lord, I, I don't believe that church is dead. I believe it's very much alive. I believe that we we want to see it, God. I know I want to see it, Lord. So many times I want it so bad, like I want to pray and the room shake, and I want people to experience you. And I want to preach to the skeptic that came in tonight that's unsure if you're, you're who you say you are, or if Jesus is the real thing, or maybe there's lives that are falling apart, God, that there's no hope, that there's endless situations, there's secret sin, there's things going on that no one in the world knows about. And God, I just pray right now that you would just speak in a powerful way. Lord, I pray that I would exit the stage and God, it would just be your spirit just speaking through us and God, just being with us right now. So God, I just pray over this message. I pray over this time. God, I pray that you would just move in a mighty way, Lord. We love you in thy name, amen, amen. So as you think about that and you think about your experience with the church, wouldn't you categorize that God's church, that's the unstoppable church, right? Right? Like the enemy, what the enemy meant to crush it, when Peter dies, the the disciples spread all throughout the Roman empire. And a few years later, several years later, Christianity becomes the official religion of Rome. And like, it's just this unstoppable movement. It seemed like the more they tried to stop it, the more it flourished, right? And so I began to think about our church, the American church, we're pretty dang stoppable. Wouldn't y'all agree? I'll give you an example. Like, uh, oh, they're changing service time? Like, I'm not going to be round one at old old times? See y'all, brother. I'm out, right? Oh, man, dang, that preacher left? That dude could preach, man. I think I'm going to ease on somewhere else, or I'm going to ease on out. Man, their band is horrible. Like, why would I go there? Their band's horrible, right? Right? Uh, Like I think about the the church and how stoppable the American church is and that I I wonder why it's like that. Like why it's just a sudden, these little changes, like it stops the movement of God. And here's the thing, and this is why I'd say, if you're taking notes, I'd just write this at the top somewhere. Could it be that as Americans, we've drifted from the design of the church? We've drifted from the roots of the church. Like we have walked away from what the church was designed to be. Right? That we focus on the exterior and we haven't focused on the heart of God and what God's heart is for the church. And so, my hope and prayer is tonight that we would look and see what God's designed the church to be and that we would uh, ask ourselves, why am I not experiencing? Church, this same church that the Bible talks about, like why am I not experiencing this thing? And I pray that God would uncover that force and we would see him do uh, an incredible thing in this place tonight, okay? So if you got your booklets, you can go ahead and turn real quick and uh, I'm gonna go through uh, kind of quickly and we're gonna look and see uh, what God would have to tell us about the local church. One is this, you hear this, the church is not a building. Blank number one, the church is not a building. It's not a service. This is what I love. It's the chosen people of God. Understand this, that God could have revealed himself to anything on this planet. Like he is the author and the creator of all things. He put the sun, the moon, the heaven, and the stars. He put it all in the place. And he said, I wanna reveal myself and my glory to these people. I'm gonna let these people experience me and I'm gonna give them the gospel and they're gonna take my, my gospel and move it forward that we are the chosen people of God. That is the church. Understand as the church, we're three things. We are chosen Okay, we are chosen in that God wanted us, all right? I think so many times we get caught up and we think like we've got to prove ourselves to God, we've got to prove ourselves to God, but understand this, like God's made himself readily available to you. He chose you, he wants to be with you. We are chosen. Those that would come to know Christ and trust him with their life, we are chosen. Number two, we are called out of darkness and into the light. You, you can Hear this, you can write in your notes, we are called to be different. The church was designed to look different than the world. Understand that the church was designed to look different than the world. Understand that the world is sinful, always has been, always will be. The, the world lives in darkness, Un untampered with by the light and God says I want to call you out of this darkness of the world and call you into light that you shine brightly and that a dark world looks in and says there's something different okay there's something different and the way these people love each other and the like what they do and how they interact like there's something different about these people he called us out of darkness and in the light and the third thing is this he gave us purpose. We have a purpose and that purpose is this, to make Christ known, to make Christ known. First Peter 2, nine and 10 says this. It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He tells us right there what our purpose is as the church is to walk in light. He called us out of the darkness in the light and it's to make Christ known in our actions, word, deed, hearts, prayer. That's what our purpose is here as the church. Okay? And understand, you can fill this in. As the believer, it's absolutely necessary to be a part of the local church. And we're going to talk about why. It's absolutely necessary to be part of the local church. As a believer, we must see three things. The church is important to God. First blank, the church is important to God. Number two, the church is important to us. And number three, the church is important to us. The world, the church is important to the world. And we're gonna dig into these a little bit. And the first thing is this, and I'm gonna spend the majority of my time is here. It's important to God. The local church is important to God. You can turn the page. See, throughout the Old Testament, God did not primarily deal with individuals. That's the first blank. He dealt with groups of people. Some of the best advice I could give you is this, is that the church belongs to God not to us. Hear that one more time. The church belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. It's not about me. The church is much bigger than me. See, the majority of the New Testament is written to churches or church leaders. It's important to God. that That is primarily in the New Testament who he communicates with is the church. Next blank. The church is the bride of Christ. We cannot love Jesus and not love his church. Hear that again, we cannot love Jesus and not love his church. Why is that? He gave his life for the church. And what is the church? Is it the building, the place we go? The church is the people of God, the people that would trust Jesus with their life. It it would be like this. How many of you ever heard it before? And Maybe you've been here. How many of you have literally just like not, been in a place where you don't like the church? Just be honest and it's okay. Like the church is, maybe the church has hurt you or maybe it's just been a, you know, you're at that place where you realize like the church is it's a bunch of dang hypocrites, man. Why would I go up in that place, right? Am I speaking your language? Man, the church is just messy, man. Those people are, they ain't, no. I don't know about that leader. I don't know if he's legit or not. I don't know if he's the real thing. Like we, we, we get this look and we look at the church and said, no, nah, the church is just a big mess. Why would I be a part of a big mess? And here's the thing I would tell you about the church. The church is messy, all right? Every church is messy. You know why? Because it contains messy people. It contains messy people. It contains messy people like me. And so here's the thing I would say to this. If you're at that place where you've just, you, you've gotten to a place where you're bitter at the church or the church has, has done this, I, w- I wanna tell you something. The church is imperfect. I wish I could tell you this church was perfect. I wish I could tell you I'll lead perfectly. I wish I could tell you it's gonna go all right. But here's the deal. I'm, I'm just as fallible as anyone in here. And I know that all of us struggle with different things. It's a messy look. But if you ever get to the place where you're like, man, I'm not gonna be a part of the church. It's too messy for me. Here's the question I would ask. What did you look like when Christ saved you? Right? I want you to think about that. How messy were we when Christ came and found us? If you know Jesus is Lord, what was the mess you looked like when he found you? And he didn't say, no, he, she, way too messy for me. I, no, don't think I will. I'm not gonna go to the cross. No, he knew you in your mess. He knew you in the worst uh, thing you've done. You can think about that. He knew you in the mess you've been in, in the, the ugliness of your heart, maybe the darkness that no one sees. And he didn't, he didn't even budge. He, he went straight to the cross and he died for that sin too. How messy were, me, how messy were we when Christ died for us? And so to say we we hate his church or to say, uh, I'm gonna follow Jesus, but I don't need the church is to walk away from the one thing Christ died for. He died for his church and he said, the gates of hell won't stand against it. You may walk away from the church, but this is the thing the church will always be. God's been making good on that promise for 2000 years, amen? He's just given us the keys, it's our time to run the race. It's our time to run the race with the church. And this is what I would say, Uh, the church is this, this is the next blank. The church is God's plan to reach the world. Oh boy, I'm getting fired up now. This is God's plan to reach the world. He has no backup plan. There's no plan B. He designed it. He said, watch, I'm gonna give people the power to do it. I'm gonna reach the world with my gospel. Remember that American church I talked about? The church that maybe the band quit, right? And our guys are pretty good, aren't they? We may be in trouble if they quit. Anyway, um, I'm joking. But you know, we talked about, you know, the, the band and all these things with the American church. Did y'all know right now that the house church movement in China is absolutely exploding right now. They don't have like anything. A lot of them don't have the Bible. They get manuscripts and they meet together, they share the gospel and people get saved and guess what? They go to the next house, they share the gospel and it's just exploding. It's rampant. It is blowing up. Absolutely illegal, 100% illegal to be a Christian in China and it is exploding right now, right? God's gonna take care of his church. He's been delivering all that promise for 2,000 years. And here's the deal, I want you to think about it like this. If anybody, any car fans in here, understand Jesus has given us, I see you back there. <laughs> uh, Jesus has given us the keys. It's our turn. Jesus has given us the keys to the only vehicle that's going to last for eternity. The fastest one out there, the only one that can change the world. And he says, here, it's your turn to run it. Here's the keys. If you'll trust Jesus and let him be Lord of your life, here's the keys to the only vehicle that changes the world. The only vehicle that always will be. It's his plan to reach the local church. The only vehicle that can change the world. And I want to, I want to stop right here and I want to, I want to tell you a story real quick. And, and, uh, in my life, how many of you are scared to death to share the gospel? Be honest. This is the last thing I ever thought I'd do with my life. I'm going to be flat honest with you. I thought I would always be in this comfortable little bubble where I'd go to church, uh, maybe live like a Christian. Uh, this would kind of be my life, and that would kind of be it. Like, I, you know, I'd be a good dude, Okay. And then God started prompting me to, to take steps out of my comfort zone and to carry out the mission of God, to actually get out of my bubble and, and, and take steps to be a part of the mission of God, to not say, "Well, that's an awesome thing the gospel's going forward in China." Well, that's an awesome thing that church is re- reaching people. That's an awesome thing that he's leading a small group. Look, God said, "I'm talking to you, brother. I'm talking to you." And so what started happening is God prompted me, and I stepped outside my bubble, outside of my comfort zone for the mission of God. God started changing my heart through obedience. And what I started to understand is he started changing people's lives around me because of my obedience. And one thing I'd like for you to write down in the notes, and I don't know if this will make sense or not. God's power lives in the fringes. Write that down. I'm gonna explain that in a minute. God's power lives in the fringes. And if you've gotten to a place where church seems like it's just showing up and you don't experience God, his presence and his power, there's a good chance you're not carrying out his mission. Hear that again not getting involved in his mission and that God's power and presence lives on the fringes and that every time like when the prophet Elisha, uh, God rained fire down from heaven, like he was carrying out the mission of God against the the prophets of Baal. He was carrying out the mission of God. But when, um, when when the apostles, like when Peter was broken out of prison He was preaching the gospel, uh, carrying out the mission of God. He was out on the fringes. He didn't stay in Jerusalem. Like if the gospel stayed in Jerusalem, it would have died. It would have never got to you and I. But what happened is people started taking steps outside of their comfort zone and trusting Jesus and started sharing the gospel with people and God gave them power to do it. They began to see lives transformed around them because of their obedience. See, God's plan is to reach the world. I want to tell you something. He can give you power to do so. How many of you would love to experience the power of God? Like to say, like, I want to know his power. Like when I hear people talk about God spoke to him, I want to know what it means to be in the presence of God. Live on mission. Watch what happens. Start asking God, God, who's the first person you want me to reach? God, what do you want me to do next? And I promise you, he's going to prompt you. You're going to step. It's going to land in good soul. And you're going to see people changed around you. See, God saved the one person in my life that I thought no one, I thought he would never meet Jesus. And I'm gonna share this story a lot because he's largely why I left everything and started this church. Um, my uncle was the wildest dude I knew, okay? Like, I even mean, familiar with the Bar Kerrigan's, Vidalium? You don't have to raise your hand in church. Anyway, sorry, bad question. But like, he, <laughs> anyway, all right. He was an all-star. They might have a picture of him. I've never been in there, but he was an all-star, all right? I mean, everything, like every kind of sin you could think of, he was living in it. Like when I was in college, he was the guy that rode up and took me out. You know what I mean? He was that uncle, okay? I mean, this dude was like in sin. Like he was the guy, like he was just not the church person. But something strange started happening. The summer before, uh, I guess it's been about two years now, or getting close to it, God started prompting me to pray for him and the witness to him, And an evangelist, uh, a, a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, um, just began to love on him. We began to pray for him together and we began to, to share Christ with him. And the first sermon I ever preached, he came. Wouldn't ever believe it. He had like an orange mohawk. You wouldn't believe that, would you? He did. And he sat on the back, back right corner back here, okay? And I remember when I first stood up to preach, the first time ever, scared to death, my hands were just doing this, you know? And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And I saw that red mohawk back here in the back corner. I was like, I I cannot, really? Like, is he really here? Two weeks later, y'all, this is no lie. That same man, toughest, roughest dude I know, broken in tears, gives his life to Christ at a Tony Nolan revival service. Um, Sits with me in a truck, all right? And tells me, says, God's changed my heart. I don't even know what to do, right? The toughest, roughest man uh, I knew, And and I wanna tell you something and the story gets even more crazy. Uh, Eight days later, he lost his life in a tragic accident. But what I'd say is this, is his step of obedience to trust Christ, eight people went from death to life at his funeral. All right? Earlier this year, Tony Nolan preached and used his testimony down in Brunswick, big revival, 60 people made decisions for Christ. All right. And just this week, Ronnie texted me. That's the evangelist. Preached the sermon, shared his testimony. 10 people at Sherman's Bluff went from death to life this week. Amen. Praise God. Yep. And so I say all that to say this, and that was a huge step of obedience for him to come out of darkness and to say, I I want light. I trust Jesus with my life. He's largely the reason I knew, Lord, just plant me somewhere where I can preach the gospel because I know it can change lives now. It don't matter who it is. I don't care what they've done, who they've done it with. Don't much matter to me. I know if you can save him, this whole world's up for grabs. The whole world's up for grabs, all right? And what I would say is this, I can't help but share that story and think, how, how might God use you in obedience? Everyone in this room right now, just one step of faith into the mission of God. How might he use you in your sphere of influence that people would think, well, he's just not that like, like Jesus person. You know what I mean? Like he's the church guy. How many of you might He used to step out in faith and say, I'm in, I'm, I'm following Jesus, Right? How might he use your obedience, everyone in here? If he can use one person, in fact, the most wicked person, the most messed up stuff, if he could use him to see hundreds of lives come to know Jesus, how might he use you? We still got breath in our lungs, y'all. We're still here today. How might Jesus use us to carry his mission forward? You can turn the page, it's important to God here's the deal. Next thing. It's also important to us. Understand we need the church. I need you. I want to tell you something. I'm the pastor's church. I've got an awesome small group. I mean, they are cool. Like I'm super excited about it. Uh, I need them. I need them. I need community. I need a place where I can come and I can just be me and share what I'm struggling with, share what's going on. Understand number, blank number one, we need Community. See the Acts Church. They met consistently. They knew each other well. They didn't sit on pews beside each other and then like talk about them when they left. Right? Like they did life together. Okay? They did life together. They ate together. They they had cake and celebrated when somebody got a promotion. Alright? I'm, I'm far-fetched a little bit, but trying to use a little context here. Understand we are not created to do life alone. We're not created to do life alone. We're meant to do it with people. And community provides this. A, fellowship. Fellowship, remember that's unity. Fellowship is not fried chicken in social halls, right? Uh, fellowship is this, fellowship is unity. Brotherhood and sisterhood, people moving in the same direction, like living these things out. Like the world's going here, we're going this way, and we've got brothers and sisters to walk with us. Fellowship. B is this, encouragement. We all need encouragement. When my uncle passed, I'll never forget it. Talk about encouragement. My entire small group came to the visitation, right? Some of them with scrubs. They got off work early so they could be there to support me. I can't tell you what that meant to me. We all need encouragement. I thrive in an encouraging environment. C is this, accountability. Accountability. We need people, understand this, and you may be lit on fire with the gospel. You may be at the best place you've ever been as far as following Jesus. But I wanna tell you something, you're gonna fall on times where you're not gonna want to. Okay, That's everybody in this room. And we've gotta surround ourselves with people that wanna help us walk out of a relationship with Jesus worse than we want to. Right? Like people that will hold us accountable, not because they're trying to get us to do something, but rather they love us enough to help us walk this thing out, to keep us accountable. Uh, We need it. We need it. And then D is this, growth and discipleship. Growth and discipleship. We uh, need people, to, the community, to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord, to help us understand scripture, to help us take our next step. And understand, it's a growing relationship. It's not one step, it's a process, okay? It's a long race, and we need people to help grow us into who God uh, wants us to be, Okay? And one thing I would say is this, and you can, you can write this in your notes to decide. Get in the habit of plowing in unbroken ground. Hear that again. The Bible, when it talks about spiritual growth and discipleship, it almost always uses an agricultural example, okay? Now tell me this, how boring is it to get and plow like the same row all day long? Like if you got up and literally, like it would almost be, we got any runners in here? I'm not gonna see you on the track, but anybody? All right, good, I knew I loved this church. Okay, nobody runs but it would be like running the same mile your whole life. Every day you get up and run, you run the same laps. That would be terrible, right? Understand this, that we weren't meant to trust Jesus and then like just sit, plow an unbroken ground, continue to grow in your relationship with God, run a different path, continue to let God stretch you and grow you. That's what's exciting It's not just sitting where we're at, but wondering, man, I wonder who God's gonna have me to be. Like what will it look like when I get to the end, right? And not sit and get bored in this monotony of just like sitting there, hanging out, okay? So plow an unbroken ground. You can turn the page. I'm gonna ru- run through real quick. when you get it all in. Community allows us to tangibly experience the love of God. Like we have faith in God. Like, you know, we, we don't see him tangibly, like what he looks like. We won't see him until we get to heaven, but we experience him by the believers around us, okay? Like we experience him by the believers around us. It says in Colossians 3, bearing with one another, all right? Bearing with one another, we do it together. We experience God with other people, okay? Community is experienced through connect groups. And here's the deal. We pray that we continue to grow and we reach people. But how we make a big church feel small is through connect groups, a small group of people that we can plug in and do life with, okay? We love on each other. We serve one another. We cry together when someone hurts. When someone is going through a rough time, like we go and we help them. And when someone messes up, we forgive them and we love each other and we do life together. Number two is this. It forces us to deal with our selfishness. It forces us to deal with our selfishness. And I've said this a hundred times. You know how many days I wake up selfish? Every single one of them, right? We all struggle with wanting to do what we wanna do. But see, being a part of the local church forces us to deal with our selfishness. See, the church forces us to be something, be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I would write this in the notes. The most miserable life is one that's all about me. Right, The most miserable life is one that's all about me. And see what the church does is it consistently puts God in front of the line and say, no, it's about him, it's about his kingdom. And that's the last blank down there. Investing in the local church, like being heart and soul with the church forces us to be about advancing the kingdom, not our own initiatives, all right? It forces us to be about advancing God's kingdom and not being all about me, which leads to misery, I promise, okay? Not about me, but about God. Here's a few covenant reminders as we move forward. One, we serve the local church because it reminds us that the church is bigger than one person. Number two, we submit to the leadership of the local church because it's a reflection of our submission to Christ. Three, we give because it exemplifies that Christ is first in our lives. You can turn the page. We cannot be all God's called us to be without the local church. Remember, the church is important. God has given us, each each of us, gifts, okay? Gifts, some's to serve, some's to teach, some's to evangelize. But see, the place for the gifts is the church. The the church is where we come and we use those gifts to strengthen the faith of others. That's the second place. The second blank, we are given these gifts to strengthen the faith of others, some of you, you are incredible encouragers, don't sit on it, bring it to the church, encourage your brothers and sisters. Some of you have the incredible gift of serving. Like when it comes Christmas time, like you just wanna give everybody gifts, right? Like you wanna see other people happy, you wanna serve others, bring it to the church. God gave you that gift for a reason, it's to strengthen the faith of others. Next point, and together we are the body of Christ, all uniquely different, okay? Some better looking than others. Um, joking, nobody laughed. All right, um, but we're the body, all uniquely different, okay? But together we are unified under the headship of Christ and using uh, our gifts to, to, to further his kingdom. I would say it like this, we're all different. We're not perfect, but we're serving a perfect savior, amen? Amen. We can't experience the fullness of God without it. That's the next point. Number four, we can't experience the fullness of God. We experience the fullness of Christ by sharing life with other believers. It was intended to be done with people, all right? Messy people. People that it's gonna strain you, that you're, you're gonna um, meet people that are not like you, that don't think like you, that are different. But God designed it to work that way, that we are unified together together uh, under the mission of God, trying to move the gospel forward. There's no place on earth that tangibly shows Christ better than the church. And turn to the last page. It's important to the world. The local church is the hope of the world. How many of you have asked the question, what am I doing here? Anybody? Here's the answer. The local church is the hope of the world. The answer to the big question is this. You were designed to know Christ. That's why that void's there. That's why uh, you can't really find your place. Why you keep turning the sin and you keep um, just not finding any satisfaction or finding your place is that we were created to be a part of the local church and move the gospel forward. The local church is the hope of the world. It's God's plan to reach the world. Understand he has no backup plan. I love that. That fires me up so much. It's always been about the mission. And I knew God's given me a mission mind, but he's just had me focused. I've been focused on the wrong mission. Amen. I'm glad I finally found my lane and I'm so excited about that. And I know it's gonna be uh, awesome. See, it's not about this. And I, I, I love this. It is not about a great sermon. It's not about a great sermon. All right, it's about multiplication. Understand, you are more effective for the kingdom than I am. You are more effective for the kingdom than I am, right? Sometimes I wanna, if, can I be honest with y'all? Y'all cool with that? Sometimes I get frustrated that I'm a pastor sometimes. You know why? Because when I walk up to the, to the average person and they understand I'm a pastor, all of a sudden it's like, all right, he's perfect. You know, like, all right, I'm gonna act really good. You know what? I, You know what I hate? getting everybody's best behavior all the time, right? That's rough. Sometimes I'm like, you know, cuss or something. Anyway, um, I'm joking. I didn't mean that. I take that back. Anyway, but here's the deal. Like when people see normal, like doing life, going through the everyday struggle and people that are choosing Jesus, it it changes them, y'all. It changes people. You're far more effective than I could ever be. It's about multiplication. It's about carrying the gospel forward and God wants you to do it. It's the best representation of Christ to the outside world. It's the best representation of Christ to the outside world. Now I'm gonna ask the band to come back up as we get ready to close here. But the question is, will I align to his plan? As a believer, it's absolutely necessary to be a part of local church. And if I could finish for a second and just talk about my heart and God's put this in my heart uh, to preach to you is this, the invitation to experience the church, I want you to think about this, is to trust Christ with your life, okay? It's to trust Christ with your life. And if Christ isn't uh, the focus, if Christ isn't Savior and Lord, this message and talking about the church and how excited everybody gets, it's going to be like going to a 3D movie and not having the 3D glasses. Y'all ever done that? Like it's all fuzzy and you can't really bring it into focus. It's like going to a movie like this guy that's in Chinese and there's no subtitles, okay? Like there's no way around it. The own ramp to be a part of the local church and not only to be a part of it, but to experience the power and presence of God is to trust Jesus with your life. It's to say, yep, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in heart and soul. Like what this guy's saying, I don't even know what he said. He talks too fast and I can't keep up with him. But God, you're doing something in my heart right now. There's something stirring. Uh, What is this? And maybe you're here tonight and the church has only been a vehicle to serve you, right? For your whole life, the church has only been a vehicle of how can this better my life? How can this better my life? It's like having a a, a Mustang GT and having a four-wheeler key trying to crank it up. It doesn't work. See, the church wasn't designed for you. It was designed for Jesus, okay? He died for it. And our own ramp is to step in and say, yep, I trust Christ with my life. I wanna know Jesus is Lord. He is who he says he is. God, change my life. I wanna be a part of this church. I wanna be a part of what you're doing. God, uh, change my life. And see, here at our church, We believe God's given us a tremendous vision. We believe that he's commissioned us all over Southeast Georgia and to the ends of the earth to reach 10,000 people for the gospel, all right? And here's the deal, for that to happen, it takes people, it takes people that are heart and soul with the mission of God that say, this is it, like, this is what I want. Uh, uh, This is, I wanna reach people, I wanna be on board with the mission of God and this is where God's called me to serve. And here's the thing, as we get ready to finish in song. If you've been through heart and soul and and you just know this is where God's calling you to serve, if you've been a part of us for any length of time and you know this is your church, we wanna give you that time to respond. Some of you have been here from the beginning. You know where this church started? In Robert Tanner's basement with a bunch of people that were just full of faith, believing God could do something. Three families picked up, we picked up our lives in Tombs County. We left our jobs and we said, God's calling us to plant the gospel right here in Dublin. We don't know what it's gonna look like. We don't have a building, we don't have a band. We don't have a a youth pastor, we don't have anything. All we have is faith. And a man that was open to letting us use his basement. And what started to happen is God started changing hearts. God started saving people. Uh, Crazy things happened, y'all. Eight people got baptized in a pool. Marriages were falling apart. We prayed over them. They began to be restored. There were wombs that were empty. People couldn't have a baby. We prayed over that womb and God gave us child. See, God's presence are on the fringes. He wants to move the gospel forward and he's already started doing it. Before we ever had a band, before we ever had a place to meet, God started moving in this church. And I believe he's just getting started, y'all. I believe it. I know that God wants to do more than we could ever see. See, here at our church, we've made a habit of this. We're praying just like uh, Ephesians says. We're praying for things that only God could take credit for. We believe that he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever see or imagine. We believe that. And so tonight, we want to give you a chance to respond. If you know God's calling you for this to be your church home and you want to be heart and soul with God and heart and soul with the mission of God here specifically at Connection Church. And maybe you've been in Robert's basement and you've already seen all this stuff happen. Maybe you're one of the originals. I want you to come and uh, just sign this covenant. And if you're here tonight, I don't care if it's your first time here and you just know this is where I'm called to be. We want to give you a chance to sign because we believe the signatures on this right here, the signatures on this banner, this is going to be the pillar of something incredible. We believe this is going to be the pillar of God doing something Dublin's never seen before. We believe this is going to be the pillar of us taking ground back for the gospel, of stepping uh, out of darkness and in the light and beginning to have a community that just spreads throughout this county, that people are real and intentional about their relationship with the Lord. We believe this will be the pillar, y'all. We're praying for it. We hang everything on it that Christ is who He says He is. So right now, as we get ready to go, and the band's going to play a song for us, I just want you to pray with me. Bow your heads. God, we love you so much. Lord, thank you for your church. God, thank you that you went to the cross, knowing me and my sin. God, knowing that I, I knowing my insecurities. God, calling me to do this, knowing that I have no power to do so, but God, this is what I know. The Holy Spirit in me is powerful. It knows no end. It knows no limits. God, I know you can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever hope for or imagine. God, right now, before we finish, if there's anyone here that knows that you're speaking to them, that they wanna trust Christ for their life, I'm just gonna ask now, would you raise your hand? We'd like to pray with you before we go. Is that anyone here? We pray now, God, that you would just stir hearts, Lord, that if you're calling them to to be a part of this church, God, that we would just respond. And Father, that an incredible move of God would happen. Lord, we love you. God, I give you great praise and thanks. For it's in your name we pray, amen. As they sing, you come.